when we talk about the world's future, you know what will determine the world's future? Structural forces, right? The water and the cliffs and the rain and the sun and uh, powerful economies and powerful militaries. And these things will determine the world's future much more than the quirks of presidents and dictators, right? Whether it's Donald Trump or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Joe Biden in office, it doesn't really matter that much for American power projections. It's not, in, not irrelevant, right? Maybe it matters up to 10%, 15%. But uh, that's about it. So I got this Time Magazine article here talking about how the world is going to be run by the whims of President Xi. <laughs> Watson's Bay. What a beautiful day. that threatens unprecedented instability. So this is Time Magazine cover story from a couple of months ago. The world's future is in the hands of one man, China's dictator, President Xi. A little dramatic, a little overstated, mate. Over the past decade, Xi has preached China's autocracy as a new option for other countries who want to speed up their development. Yeah. I don't think uh, many people are going to look at the Chinese model. Oh, yeah, that's how want to run my country, particularly when they're seeing it falling apart in front of our eyes. While overseeing policy blunders that undermine global prosperity, she's deepening demagoguery signals an entrenched superpower rivalry. Okay, demagoguery, right? John Mearsheimer makes the case that uh, nations don't effectively lie to other nations, right? Because other nations are not incentivized to believe when President Xi says something or when Donald Trump says something or Joe Biden says something. So nations don't even bother, by and large, to lie to each other. Right? Political leaders, to the extent they lie, they lie to their own citizens. So it's not clear that uh, any of China's policies are particularly dependent upon the, the whims of President Xi and cascading hazards for all those who depend on China's $17.7 trillion economy. China contributed 28% of GDP growth worldwide from 2013 to 2018. Yeah, so GDP doesn't actually measure that much that is significant. China had the biggest GDP in the world in the 19th century, and Great Britain sent a few boats over and absolutely kicked its ass. So you can look at Michael Beckley's analysis of why GDP really doesn't matter that much for power projection. So China's economic statistics have always been wildly, wildly inflated. So looking across here from Watson's Bay to Manly. So Manly and North is the North Shore. And this is Watson's Bay. Been walking much of the day up from Kuji and is the top trading partner to more than 120 nations. But she's fanatical adherence 
to an increasingly untenable zero-COVID policy, has locked down hundreds of millions of Chinese people, shuttering factories and leaving container ships loitering outside ports. Okay, a lot of nations have struggled with COVID. So it does seem like uh, China's vaccines don't work very well. But uh, nobody's vaccines are 100% foolproof, right? So we used to think, oh, you get the, the COVID vaccine and then nobody's going to die. But we've had more deaths since the vaccine prior. Now, I don't blame the vaccine for that. The vaccine's a good idea. Probably reduces the death toll. But uh, COVID presented an unprecedented problem. And China's response has seemed fairly inept. Xi's belligerence is also stoking resentment overseas. The World Bank has named supply chain disruptions stemming from China lockdowns as driving a cut in global growth, forecast this year at 2.9%, down from 5.7% in 2021. So people are increasingly shifting their manufacturing from China. China's no longer so reliable. And this is just going to accelerate. Right, we have the onshoring movement in America. More and more manufacturing jobs are coming home. So we're less and less dependent on China. Even Apple is shifting manufacturing to India. In July, the heads of the FBI and Britain's MI5 jointly declared Beijing the biggest long-term threat to our economic and national security. Well, of course, whoever's the second you know, biggest power is going to be the biggest threat to the number one power. She has overseen border clashes with India, economic warfare with Australia, and standoffs with Vietnam, the Philippines, and the U.S. In the Okay, where the heck am I? Am I going to be able to get out of here? Oh. I'm lost in outback Australia. Okay, I see a path. There's a way back to civilization, guys. Woohoo! Right, trespassing. Okay, can't go past here. Oh well, that was fun while it lasted. Disputed South China Sea. In the West, confidence in China may never recover from Xi's announcing a no-limits partnership with Putin just weeks before he... Okay, that's not gonna shift the West confidence in China, right? People look out for their own best interests. So, you know, whatever strategic relationships, trade relationships, China makes with Soviet, with Russia, right? That's not gonna shake the West's confidence, right? The West was quite skeptical to begin with. <coughs> what confidence, that's right. What confidence did the West ever have? in uh, President Xi and the Chinese Communist Party. Right, confidence doesn't get shaken by such minor things. Invasion of Ukraine. It shows the disdain that Xi Jinping has toward the US that he would be seen on a stage with Vladimir Putin, who is- Of course, we, we tend to have disdain for other nations that threaten our power who we want to overtake, right? We don't bother to have disdain for people who don't count, right? 
we only have disdain for people we recognize as formidable rivals. You never have anger, disdain, even bother to gossip about people who are way below you. So this is where they used to mount their guns, guns over the harbor. What confidence, they're actually justified. It's not us. a natural ally, says John M. Huntsman, a former U.S. ambassador to both China and Russia. It's their shared antipathy toward the U.S. that brings them together. All this sets the stage for a new Cold War. One that threatens... No, what sets the stage for a new Cold War is a fundamental structural conflict of interest where you have China, which appeared to be a rising power over the past three decades, appeared to be on a trajectory to overcome the United States, the world's number one economic and military power. There was this structural challenge, right, just built into the system of international relations that leads to conflict between nations. So Germany seemed to be on a trajectory to overcome Britain's supremacy in the early part of the 20th century, and that's what uh, drove uh, Germany into World War One. To be even more devastating because of economic interdependence. Never be... Economic interdependence doesn't prevent nations from going to war. Great Britain and Germany were each other's number one trading partners before the beginning of World War One. Uh, did it stop them going to war? No. Four in human history has the global economy and the livelihoods of so many billions been so at the whim of one man. The future is bright for Xi Jinping, says Professor Steve Tseng, director of the SOAS. The future is bright? Well, well, if China falls apart, I don't think it'll be so bright for him. We shouldn't care about the competition. The problem is their scams. No. Competition means the stronger their economy, the stronger their military, the more incentive other nations have to ally with China against us. Economic power always leads to military power. And so China, if they continued in a more powerful economic direction than us, would tend to dominate the world militarily and as far as alliances, which would threaten American autonomy. China Institute at the University of London, and dark for everybody else. China's reversion to the politics of Mao-era absolutes has galvanized the idea that the U.S.-led engagement sparked by Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger in the 1970s has been a failure. That would be reductive. China's rise from collectivized penury to the world's top trading nation has hauled hundreds of millions out of poverty while making trillions of dollars for American companies. Yeah, it's also enabled China to rise to be our number one geostrategic rival. <laughs> so, remember economist Russell Roberts saying that uh, the rise of the Chinese out of poverty was just as important to him as the benefits of Americans getting to buy cheap Chinese goods. The stronger China's economy gets, the stronger its military gets, the more of a rival they are to America. But Donald Trump's winning the Republican nomination for the U.S. presidency in 2016 shifted the tenor of bilateral relations. But what shifts the tenor of bilateral relations is a fundamental clash of interests. That's what, what shifts the tenor. It's not a matter of personalities. 
at a matter of, oh, you know, Donald Trump, his personality, he just shifted the tenor. All right, even under Barack Obama, right, we had the United States pivoting to Asia. A fair trade deal and 5G should have been an easy deal. Well, the stronger China's economy gets, the stronger the military gets. So, no, you don't want to facilitate the rise of your number one geostrategic rival. So, yeah, there's still a lot of cheap Chinese goods in Australia, but China and Australia have been in a you know, very uh, difficult uh, trade war over the past few years. So Ch China and Australia are starting to increasingly detach from each other. While many Democrats opposed the trade tariffs and Trump's racist rhetoric around the COVID-19 pandemic, his racist rhetoric as in the China virus. Well, that's where it came from. What's what's so racist? Mobilization against China is now bipartisan consensus. Yeah, it's bipartisan consensus pretty much all around the world because China consistently acts in a way that other nations find distasteful. So China has almost no allies in the world. The United States has powerful alliances. That's why one of, the, one of the reasons why America is in far better position than China in this conflict. President Joe Biden has framed both his domestic and foreign agenda as a righteous battle between democracies and autocracies. Okay, the rhetoric you use to justify policy is one thing. It's not even that important. Right? What's important is the structure. And Biden has been even more nationalist and more of a China hawk than Donald Trump. And so he has cut down on China's ability to get access to computer chips, which is absolutely necessary for China's economy to thrive. Saying she firmly believes that within a decade, China is going to own America because autocracies can make quick decisions. Yeah, that's just absolute nonsense. So there are some advantages to autocracies, but uh, they don't tend to get very accurate information at the top. So they also deal with considerable disadvantages. China's getting crushed right now. Today, the chill is marked. Some 82% of Americans have a negative view of China. Well, the chill is marked because of fundamental structural conflicts of interest in the nature of reality and the nature of the international system. It's not a matter of personality quirks. Up from 40% when she took power in 2012. Chinese graduate students and visiting scholars in robotics, aviation, and advanced manufacturing are limited to one-year U.S. visas. Why are, we, why are we educating our greatest geostrategic rival? Why are they even allowed here? Why are any Chinese students allowed over here? The Commerce Department has also Australia, restricted America. Chinese students from working on certain emerging technologies. Before... Whenever U.S. security agencies sought to limit technology transfer to China, business groups pushed back. Now, weary of regulatory shakedowns, they no longer support engagement. As Remember when Google pulled out of China about 10 years ago? And a lot of other businesses are following Google's lead. It's just not worth it. Each side pushes toward technological self-reliance. They are pressing other nations to join their blocks. It will be a cost... But China's block is pathetic. And China's technology is pathetic. So, you know, what Chinese consumer products do you most associate with quality? None. Play decoupling. Even before the pandemic, global growth in 2019 was the lowest in a decade. 
China and the U.S. together account for over 40% of the global economy. But zero COVID and geopolitical headwinds are forcing governments to invest heavily in bringing production chains home or to a friendly country. Right. And uh, who are China's big rivals? I mean, who are China's big allies? Right, North Korea? All Southeast Asian countries now feel pressure to take sides between the U.S. and China. Yeah, and they're all pretty much siding with the United States. As former Thai Prime Minister Apisit Vijayjiva. There's clearly a real risk for all the other countries in the world to feel that we're now falling back into two camps. Yeah, all right. We were in a unipolar world after the fall of the Soviet Union, so there's just one great power dominating the globe, the United States. Then, starting about uh, 2010, looked like we were moving into a bipolar world with a rising China. With the collapse of China, Peter Zion predicts it's not even going to survive as a state in the next 10 years. We're going to move back to a unipolar world. So right now, the trajectory is the United States will be even more dominant and powerful in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years than it is right now. The diplomatic freeze is most worrying from a security perspective. As well as backing Putin's war crimes in Europe, she has repeatedly called reclaiming control of Taiwan, which politically split from the mainland in 1949 followed... Didn't split from the mainland in 1949. Taiwan was never a part of China. And uh, Xi and China have not given Putin the weapons that he seeks. So they've given some rhetorical support, right? They've given some rhetorical support to Vladimir Putin, but they haven't provided much in material support. Onward and upward.